Welcome to Season Ticket, presented by Press Room Pass. This podcast is your passport to sports history with a peek at the present. The hosts, Chris and Don, will share with you their love of sports, highlighting their favorite teams and seasons. While they focus on the past, they'll talk about some current events too, and along the way they'll probably throw in a few pop culture references. This is Season 1, Episode 4, and the guys are continuing their series celebrating the Cincinnati Reds' 150th year. In this episode, Don talks about some of the factors throughout the league that impacted the Reds in the 60s, while Chris gets fired up about the changes in the Reds' lineup. What do you think they say contributed to the formation of the team that came to be known as the Big Red Machine? This podcast is presented by PressRoomPass.com. You'll hear more about PressRoomPass and how to connect with podcasts later, but right now, let's start the show. Hello again and welcome to another edition of Season Ticket presented by PressRoomPass.com. I'm joined by my usual cohorts in crime, Don Tincher. Good afternoon, Don. Hey, we hey. doing all right today? I'm not doing too bad. And how about Great. you, Michael Swigert? Good afternoon. We're on a series right now talking about the 150th anniversary of the Cincinnati Reds. And in previous podcasts, we've talked about the 1919 World Series the 1939 and 40 World Series, and the 1961 World Series. And now we're going to get into uh, the really good stuff that I like, the big red machine of the mid-'70s. But before that, the Reds did participate in two World Series earlier in the decade, the 1970 and 72 World Series. Don, I thought we'd start out by, again, we last time we talked about the 1961 World Series. What happened with the rest of the decade after that World Series that – Led up to the Reds uh, getting into the 1970 World Series. Well, the the Reds were very competitive in, in a lot of a lot of ways. The 1964 season, they battled down to the end of the year where the Phillies collapsed. That's kind of a, a right. famous way of describing what happened to them in in a clean way. Of course, the Cardinals won the World Series that year, beating the Yankees. Mm-hmm. The, but the Reds were a competitive team. Pete Rose by this time had joined the team. After the 1965 season, DeWitt traded Frank Robinson, which kind of set in that motion. Probably at the time was not a very popular. Movie. No, it it really it really wasn't. But because he, he said more or less to paraphrase, he was old. Okay, and he was also wrong. He was but, totally wrong. All right, <laughs> but, go ahead. But that, apparently that happens at, at sometimes. Yeah, you know there were some changes in ownership. The Reds brought in uh, Bob Housem as a, as a general manager, and some things started to happen. The Reds got a lot better and became the big red machine that we knew. How, do, how was the season, the 67, 68, 69? I think you mentioned that Pete Rose was uh, signed right. to the team. Who, right. Who, Those teams were, were pretty good, competitive, right. but they were not the Cardinals at that time. The Cardinals yeah. were, were and we had Bob Gibson, I believe, right? And, time, and right. you know the Cardinals dominated in '67 and '68. You know the Dodgers won in '66 and '65. So as far as you know the National League pennant, so you know those teams were the top of the rung, so to speak. Well, and, and, and the Reds, the Reds lineup going into the 1970 season and during the 1970 season, you had uh, the ones that were familiar as big red machine players were Tony Perez, Johnny Bench. Pete Rose. Now you had Bobby Tolan, right? Bobby Tolan was, was a center fielder. Bobby Tolan was acquired in a trade for Veda Pinson, okay? Uh, who was was you know a great player for the Reds and and continued his career, 
you know, as as a solid player, but uh, you know, had some some injuries and just wasn't quite the same, obviously. Right. And so Tolan was a big factor in in the early seventies. And the Reds. then also you had first baseman Lee May, right, who was a, good, a really good player. Yes. But would figure prominently in a trade that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But on that team, he was the first baseman and yes. a pretty good one at that. Yes. And then you had first-year manager George Sparky Anderson. <laughs> yes. That 1970 season was his first year. Right. Well, and, of course, he was – I think a lot of people were like, Sparky, who? Yeah. They didn't really remember him as a major leaguer. He had exactly. only played uh, one year, which was 1959 with the Phillies, and mm-hmm. frankly was obviously not a very good player. Right. But uh, he uh, signed on as coach. Just as soon as he had done that, Housem selected him to be the manager. So exactly. it wasn't uh, wasn't very long that uh, you know he really took over and was really the reason that the Reds were so successful all of those years that he was there. And the other thing that that year also produced another uh, a major milestone is that that was the last year the Reds actually played about the first half of the season in Crosley Field. Right. Yes. And then they built Riverfront Stadium. I uh, got the cookie cutter of all those round stadiums back yes, in the days yes. that were built. Uh, Three River Stadium, very similar. Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia right. is very and, similar. And Bush Stadium in Bush St. Louis. Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Was you know, they were, it was like you could just go yeah, all right. across the country and well, see those kind the, of things right through the Midwest. Those facilities were good because they were multi-purpose. You could play football on them. You could play baseball on them. They used AstroTurf. Right. So uh, you could play uh, a different games, you know, right. and, sports on and, there. And at the time... Those were considered state of the art. Oh, absolutely! You know, and you know the 1970 season when the Reds started playing in Riverfront Stadium. Of course, they had the All Star Game that mm-hmm. that season. You know, that's when Pete Rose and and Ray Fossey yes. met at home plate yes. uh, with that famous nice thing. Little, nice little kiss. And uh, you know, you've uh, you've got Johnny Bench having a great year. He was the MVP that yep. year. Tony Perez. If Johnny Bench had not been on the Reds. Mm-hmm. Tony Perez probably would have been the MVP. Absolutely. I mean, he was you know right behind Bench in a lot of different categories mm-hmm. and was becoming a, a star. And as you'll find out as we go through these podcasts, I'll probably make comments about Tony Perez because he was my favorite player. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, well, Johnny Bench was I may, my favorite. Player. I, I may dig people like different times and uh, you know mention you know you mentioned the Patriots. <laughs> the, the Tony Perez trade in the seventies is the thing that oh. traumatized me as a child. Well, we'll make sure we, we'll um, we make just, sure we have therapists you know, on hand. Right, you got to make you just got to make sure it. that you know when we get to that point in time that that I've got something that I can kind of you know a little oh. teddy bear like radar. Say, we're going to bring in your teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll your need my radar bear. O'Reilly teddy bear to you, you know make it sure, make sure I can get through that point of the of a podcast well, well it's really 19- interesting that you yes, mentioned Mike. the setup there and you've mentioned three or four big names that we all know from the big red machine at sparky anderson coming on as the manager at the at the beginning of that era really and what's kind of interesting is sparky had a unique challenge of managing some really powerful players to get that many really good players on a team together in a previous podcast chris you mentioned that you know a team will have two or three good players maybe and then the rest of the team kind of rallies around them. But in the mid-70s, the Reds had eight or ten yeah, they're, really they're, good players. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they're starting and, and, and the yeah, thing about that is, is that you've got some serious egos on that, that yes. team. Right. And, and But they were also all, I think, had a great understanding of, you know what, we're in this together. We are a team. You know, And I think Sparky was able to really manage, quote-unquote, 
that whole thing and, right. and do just really well with it. And, and of course, later on, when once he had been fired from the Reds and, and then moved on to Detroit, basically kind of the same thing, maybe not as big of egos or, or, or whatnot, but he was able to put together a team in Detroit that was unbelievable in, yes. in 1984 and you know played well for, for a long, long time. Right, just and, went to show his skill and talent yes. as a manager. Yes, you know, which, you, without which, the, quite honestly, the big red machine would not have existed. Uh, probably, probably not. I, you know, you, you just have that mix of, of what we had talked about before with, you know, the other Reds managers over time, and this was obviously the thing that really and he made led, it work. And he led a team, by the way. The Reds that year were 102 and 60. Yes, won the division by 14 and a half games over the Dodgers. Yes, so they were announcing. Again, I love to quote a movie, Bull Durham. Uh, they were announcing their presence with authority, to quote uh, Nuke Lelouch, and um, <laughs> swept the Pirates in the National League uh, Championship Series in three games, a team that had Clemente. They had L- Roberto Clemente, and then other players you know, like Steve Blass, Manny yes. Sanguian. They were a year away from becoming world yes. champions anyway. So, you know, obviously they and, were pretty good. And by the way, after they won that, they played – the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. Reds had some good pitching too, starting with Don Gallant. Yeah, they they One did, of the best and, pitches and, had, and, ever and had. Wayne Simpson, and, yes. and another uh, a person that they acquired uh, was Wayne Granger. Yes, and uh, you know, so they really had some some good things going yep. as well. But the, unfortunately, by the end of the year, the Reds pitching staff I think was maybe a little worn out. Yep. And, uh, you know, that wasn't something that they were going to be able to overcome. And uh, Well, and they play a uh, they play a Baltimore Orioles team that I know everybody remembers these guys that had Boog Powell, that had Brooks Robinson, Jim Palmer, ace of the staff in pitching. Yes, and, and, and also had some guy named, uh, can, we about, can we say it? Frank, Frank Robinson. Robinson. Thank you. Frank. <laughs> Who, remember the uh, previous uh, manager or general manager said uh, yes. he's too old. He's too old, yeah. yeah. Frank was yeah, obviously huh. – this was this was where from a – How'd that go? Over? Yeah, well, from a, from a personal standpoint with the Reds, this is the one that said, well, you know what, he's not old. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly. And this was another series, by the way, the Reds lost – in five games. Yes. The Orioles actually won the first three games of the series. Reds took game four in Baltimore uh, due to Lee May's clutch three-run homer. Game five, the uh, Orioles wrapped it up. Right. Well, and, and, you know, the other thing, just like the, the 61 series, they ran into a team that had lost the year before yep. in kind of an unexpected fashion you know nobody expected the Mets to win yep and the the Orioles were heavily favored in that series and lost yep. so you're you know you've got a problem for the Reds in 61 and 1970 when they're playing a team that is out for blood know, yeah they're they're they've got a chip on their shoulders no yes. no question and uh you know the the Orioles were were a great team made it to three world series they had been the world champions mm-hmm. in 1966 so they uh, obviously had some players that uh, were incredible. Uh, one of my favorite players from that team would have been uh, Dave McAnally, yes. who when we get to some other discussions that we're going to have down the road, Dave McAnally plays a, a major role with uh, something that we, when we discuss the uh, the Hall of Fame ballots that yes. we're going to talk about here about uh, down, the down, the, down the road. McNally is going to be a little bit involved in, in one of my uh, – selections okay. that, uh, that I'm going to make. Well, that sounds like a good time to take a break right now. And when we come back, we will get into the 72 World Series 
And then the uh, back-to-back championships are 75 and 76. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Thank you again for listening to Season Ticket, presented by PressRoomPass.com. We'll hear more about the formative years between 1962 and 75 when the guys come back. Quickly, we want to remind you about the podcast sponsor, PressRoomPass.com. Our co-host, Don Tincher, posts concise features relevant to the season on an almost daily basis. Head over there later and read a few. While you're there, check out the sponsors and advertisers. Our featured sponsor this month is ProCT Solutions. You have questions, they have answers. If your small business is still using Windows 7 or older systems, contact ProCT Solutions about moving to a modern platform. While the January 2020 end of service date for Windows 7 does not come with the same issues as earlier Microsoft retirements, you shouldn't trust your data to older systems without knowing the risks. The experienced and friendly staff at ProCT Solutions can answer your questions and help you get the best technology fit for your business. Visit ProCTSolutions.com to get in touch with the professionals who want to solve your problems so you can focus on your business. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how you can connect with Chris and Don. Right now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Season Ticket, presented by PressRoomPass.com. We're talking about the 1970s of World Series appearances in the Big Red Machine. And we just got done talking about the 1970 World Series, which the Reds lost to uh, to the uh, Baltimore Orioles. They had a pretty good team. But then, Don, they before we got to the 72 World Series, they made a trade that basically completed, closely completed what's known as the Big Red Machine. The big thing that uh, happened, I think, when you're playing in Crosley Field, speed's not as big a factor as as Riverfront Stadium. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with some injuries in 1971, things like Lee May and Tommy Helms not being Mm -hmm. extremely fast, the the Reds were in fourth place. It was, you know, not, not not a great year. The Giants ended up winning the division and then lost to the Pirates, mm-hmm. who we talked about before the Reds had beaten in 1970 in the playoffs. The Pirates win the playoffs, then go on to beat the Orioles in the World Series. Right. And so, you know, the the Reds are in a situation of, like, well, they've got to make some decisions. The trade prior to the 1972 mm-hmm. season made, uh, you know, everything better. And what Cincinnati. was that trade exactly? Well, that's the one where, you know, the Reds got – uh, Joe Morgan right. from the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. But not only Joe Morgan, but you start talking about a lot of different things with that trade. They got rid of Lee May mm-hmm. and Tommy Helms, who right. were gold glovers and all-stars and really, really good players. But they gave away a lot to get something that would be just you know a historic well besides trait. morgan i mean they all they got a lot of they got dennis menke third baseman right they got a pitcher jack billingham yes and they got one of the best outfield defensive outfielders yes. in my opinion of all time and cesar geronimo right and then uh, and then a minor leaguer well the, the, the minor right down there, yeah down the road who, too. 
who turns out to be, you know, a pivotal person yes. as we, we talked about with the Reds in the 1961 series with Hector Lopez of the Yankees. Yes. Ed Armbrister is the same, is, yes. is a guy that, so they're really, you know, is, yeah, is amazing. There, there really isn't a, a player the Reds got back that was not productive in some form or fashion in one of the teams of the 1970s. Right. Well, and, and, and really that led to them returning to the the top of the heap in the NL West. And yeah, because in 1971, after the World Series, right before they made that trade, 71 was not that great a year. They became they were a sub-500 team. And like you had mentioned before about speed, and they just need to make some things. So they make the trade, and they go into the 72 season, and they kind of went right back to where they were in the 1970 season. They kind of dominated. Uh, again, play the Pittsburgh Pirates, in the National League Championship Series, but this time it goes five games. Right. And this is the infamous uh, game where Johnny Bench hits his home run yes. uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning to tie the game. And then uh, the infamous Bob Moose wild pitch. Right. Scoring a, a relative unknown George Foster. Yes. Uh, for the game-winning run to win the uh, National League. Penalty. Right. Who, who, and Foster had been acquired as well during the 1971 season. Uh, from the San Francisco Giants. Yes. So, you know, he had a vital part, yes. as we will find out down the road, uh, for the Big Red Machine. And they play that year a very colorful team, to say the least, uh, the 1972 Oakland Athletics. People remember them from some of their pitchers and some of their, actually, players, too, having those uh, long mustaches. Right. Uh, Raleigh Fingers, mustache curled up, as a matter of fact. But they play this team. Uh, Charlie Finley was a colorful owner of the of the A's. That that could be an understatement. Uh, yeah, very yeah, understatement. Yeah. The Reds were kind of like straight laced, and and the and the A's were kind of wacky and wild. But by God, they could play baseball. Oh yeah, well, and and you know the Reds uh, had really made a lot of strides and and were a great team. Bench was going to be the MVP yes. that year as well. The A's just, I, I guess when you, you look at, at things, one name stands out for the A's in that World Series, and that's Gene Tennis. Gene Tennis, absolutely. Uh, he was the, just, the reason, he's the reason they won. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it started with his first two at-bats when he hit home runs. and, and Was it just, the first player in history, by the yes, way, to do that. Yeah, and, you know, that's something that we had talked about before where people just do something. You know, Gene Tennis was – was an average player mm-hmm. throughout his entire career pretty much and but it was was a yeah. quality player you know over over time and had one of those moments you know in the world series that uh, you know made him very famous started the run of A's of the A's winning three world series and uh, you That's know right. it just was well, was incredible and in that series though every game but one was decided by one right, run right right uh, and the one that wasn't the, the Reds actually won game 6 8 to 1 yeah Game seven was at Riverfront, but the A's pull out a 3-2 victory with uh, Mr. Mustache himself, Raleigh Fingers, getting the save. Catfish Hunter taking the win, and uh, the A's beat the Reds 3-2 to take the World Series. But no shame, I don't think, at that time in the Reds, because unlike 70, where it just seemed like they really weren't in that World Series, at least in 72... Uh, people knew that this this was a good team and they were going to be good for you. Well, and, and this was this was the the first year kind of the, of the core of the team that, yes. that really you know made some try some strides and had a lot of success with different things. You know, you you look at that team and think, well, you know, maybe the Reds should have won, but then you know you compare that to the A's of what they would do the next two years and win again. Yes. 
you know, you realize that, that the A's were pretty special. And, and, you know, Reggie Jackson, of course, didn't play nope. against the Reds in that series. Yep. And, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened had he yep. done that. And, and of course, this, this also was probably one of the, the more infamous moments in the career of Johnny Bench mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, Dick Williams walked out to talk to Raleigh Fingers. You know, they were going to walk Johnny Bench and then they threw a strike right down the middle and Bench just stood there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, strike three. <laughs> you know, it's like, exactly. like, wow, really? That, that happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the, well, the one thing that we do need to mention, though, you mentioned earlier about the Johnny Bench home run in the mm-hmm. 1972 playoffs. That was the final game in the career of Roberto Clemente. Yes, that's and, correct. And, and Who unfortunately I, was killed that day. Right, and, and, and I, I, I've mentioned before yeah, that, crash, that yeah. Tony Perez was my favorite player. Yes. Roberto was number two on that list. Uh, it was and, a great human being. Again, he yeah, was killed and, doing humanitarian right, work and, and, down in Nicaragua. And one of the things, I, I have a, a story on, on the, the website, thepresspasscom where I discuss Roberto Clemente and, and the fact that I was nine years old when that happened. And, and it was something that, you know, I'm reading this in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. There were newspapers, I suppose, <laughs> back back then, right? I, I just remember laying there on the floor trying to figure out, well, where's Nicaragua? What what is Nicaragua? Yeah. What 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 does that mean? Where, you know? And what had happened was that there had been an earthquake there, and Clemente, who was from Puerto Rico, was flying relief supplies right. there, and obviously never made it. And yeah. you know, at, at nine years old, you're you're kind of like reading this and you're trying to figure out, you know, what does all of this mean? It's, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, well, why does, you know, why did that happen? And yes. and then, you know, later on that year, I, I got his baseball card and I thought, wait, they made a baseball card for someone that died, you know, and you don't really understand that, but no. you know, the baseball cards are made way before that ever happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was one of those things. It's a, One of the best baseball cards in my collection from a personal standpoint to to have his final card with Totally understand all that. And we're going to have to take a break right here. So thanks again for listening to Season Ticket presented by WrestlingPass.com. Thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Season Ticket Podcast, presented by PressRoomPass.com. The guys had a lot more to say about the development of this powerhouse team than they thought, so we split the conversation. In Episode 5, Chris and Don will wrap up their discussion of the greatest team in baseball, highlighting the 1976 World Series victory. Come back to find out what, if anything, surprised them about this tremendous set of players. One thing is certain. The guys are looking forward to sharing their love of the Reds and sports in general, past and present, with you. Earlier, I mentioned you could find out how to connect with Chris and Don. Begin by visiting the PressRoomPass.com website. Contact the podcast by email at SeasonTicket at PressRoomPass.com. Stop by our Facebook page. There's a link in the show notes, and don't forget to like the page to have new posts show up in your newsfeed. Or comment on a couple. We look forward to reading what you have to say. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. Now you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and tune in. The RSS feed is at seasonticket.castos.com, and you can subscribe at Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the most popular podcast apps. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell your friends, 
send them a link to today's episode and encourage them to subscribe. Episode 5, the conclusion of today's conversation, will be available in a couple of days. Until then, keep your eye on the ball. Are your headphones okay? Have you got those set situated there? Yeah, I think I'm all right for now. I just, I don't have a hat on. I can't, you know, I can't function. <laughs> exactly. Pedro Borbone, the subject of another podcast Wait, altogether. Yeah, he's way, got his own podcast <laughs> down the road. Let me interject here. I'm, I'm sorry to digress, but I have to for just a second. Well, Michael's talking about one of the reasons he liked Concepcion is because of the name, Concepcion. Right. My favorite Reds name player of all time. Is Julian Javier? <laughs> Does anybody even remember him, Don? But, do you remember I, Juli, Julian Julian Javier? Julian Javier actually actually was a great second baseman for the Cardinals. Well, but, at 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 some point, yeah, he yeah. was with the Reds in, for right a while. in the in the in the sixties. Yeah. He was part of the Cardinals dynasty, if if you can call it that. I think from, he he sold the first Cordoba well, before Ricardo Montalban. It was he, this uh, is Julian Javier. <laughs> Julian was, was a great, great player and with with the Cardinals, and, and, of course, obviously they won the World Series with him. But he was with the Reds. Yeah. That's yeah. What, I, I yeah. remember that. Yes. No. I remember Marty Brenneman, or was it? I can't it remember his might, name. It was probably Al Michaels. Al Michaels. Yes. Saying Julian Javier, and I said, I love that name. Yes. Julian Javier. Yes. It's just, it just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry to digress, but that's I just wanted to bring that up because if we're talking about favorite names of the Reds, there, there's mine. There, there you go. Right. There, there you go. go. Even though he didn't do anything with the Reds. As Don pointed out to me five times in that well, segment, that hey. he did it all with the Cardinals. He, did. <laughs> he was a player with the Cardinals. Thank you. All right. Oh, wait, 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 wait.